Welcome, everyone. I am Bob Wurzelbacher, the director of the Respect Life Office for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, and this is our video podcast series that we call Being Pro-Life. Each month, we'll discuss a different topic in the Respect Life arena. We'll hear a personal story from someone deeply affected by that issue. And finally, we'll share ways that you can get involved. This month's topic is labor trafficking. Let's talk now with this week's guest. Will you please introduce yourself? Thank you, Bob, for inviting me to the pro-life. I'm really blessed. So, friends, my name is Harold Henry D'Souza. I am from India. I'm a survivor of labor trafficking and debt bondage. Harold, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Will you please share your story with us? I was invited to the United States of America on an H-1B visa. It's a work visa. So I entered legally on a $75,000 salary per month plus benefits. And in the year 2003, so it was like a mega million ticket for me, which I won. And just to back forward to understand how I became a victim, the Americans have to understand the culture. So I'm born and raised as a Roman Catholic. For me, mine is an arranged marriage. So you have to understand that. When I say arranged marriage means I never saw the photograph of my wife. There was no internet, nothing. So I met her in February 1st time of 1994 at her house. I didn't know which girl I was going to see. I got married to her on May 29th, 1994. And I got married on four things. On a trust, on a faith, on a promise and a commitment. So I came as a business development manager. It's all in black and white. I'm highly educated from India. So I have done my master's in marketing management, post-graduation diploma in human resource development and labor law. And say where my wife is educated. So what I'm going to share is that labor trafficking can happen to anyone, irrespective of caste, color, creed, age, or nationality. I accepted this offer. I landed here. But the day I landed, my perpetrator asked me one question. The first thing, Harold. Do you have any cash? And I said, yes, I have. I was carrying $1,000 cash. He said, Harold, this is America. You cannot keep cash with you. And so I gave the cash. I gave the documentations, everything to him. Like, oh, it is in safe custody. And then we were made to work in a restaurant. So I was invited for a company which was making bearings or something and to work for them as a business development manager. And he said, no, you right now start working here. You're the owner of the restaurant. I'm going to start something else for you. See, number one, I didn't know the culture. I didn't know the people. I didn't know the law enforcement agency. I didn't know anything. And my wife and my two sons, they had come on an H4 dependent visa. And when you are on a dependent visa, you are not supposed to work. I didn't know anything because I just followed blindly. I came on a trust. And that is what hit me more. And we started working. So you think you're going to be a business manager. You show up, he takes your money, he takes your identification. Your lawful work visa depends upon, of course, the person who said he was giving you a job. He takes all that from you so you have no power. And then he puts you to work in a restaurant. At that time, was he saying this is just temporary or what was he saying at that time? My wife always told him later on that he showed us the moon and gave us dust. So he showed that oh, you'll be owning the restaurant. We are st- I'm buying some other businesses. You'll be managing everything. You'll be owning everything. And he made my wife sign on all the business documents, the checks. See how we got trapped just on trust. 
but he planned everything this guy is from india he knew everything he came in the year 1967 and is a multimillionaire and that was his profession he has been doing this for a lot of exploring people which we had no clue so we were working in a restaurant from the day one we were working for, like say from 8 hours to 10 hours a day but within a month we were working from 14 hours to 16 hours a day 7 days a week 365 days that i still remember the first time after a month when we were going home at night 2 o'clock we were so excited to see our kids i still remember i opened the mail door without of excitement and it still hurts me today also that i hit the door on my younger son head so hard that he just started crying and that really hits me today because my younger son was waiting for us at the door and he was just wearing an underwear we didn't have any clothings and my older son was sleeping 6 feet away on the carpet like a rat and this was a everyday story so now he has all your papers he has your money he told you he had a different job than was the reality he put you to work in a restaurant you're working many many hours per day 7 days a week now just help people to understand why is it that after you saw that you weren't getting what was promised to you why is it that he still had power over you and you couldn't leave number 1 i trusted him so and number 2 my wife was on an h4 dependent visa so the very first day i told you he manipulated tricked and trapped he told my wife to work we didn't know that she was not supposed to work legally but he fixed her salary 2000 dollars a month so that was big money and he said that i am going to buy a house for you you need a house you got two kids you cannot live in this apartment life long so i'm going to buy a house i see how it planned all this so we believed also okay wow 2000 dollars is a big money and he said you need to save money for down payment later on after our two months he showed us houses in cincinnati now i know that anyone can go and see a house when it's open house it's open for anyone but at that time we didn't know i came from a village where there was no running water and electricity where my dad grew up so just understand our feelings our emotions our sentiments that we were so obliged for him wow he's doing this so he's saying this is all temporary he's saying your wife needs to start working so that you can make enough money to put a down payment on a house that i will buy for you and he's taking you to open houses saying hey this is the house that we're going to get for you and you're just trusting him and you believe him i don't have any money because he's taking the money and he's putting it down on a house that he's going to get us soon this is what he's telling you so this goes on for how long before you start to think okay something's just not right here so this went on till august the same year we came in february so like every 3 weeks he shows one house he he had a rhythm and then after a week killed house is not fit for you it's not good so he was buying time and then again he'll show us another house then again wait for 3 weeks oh there was something wrong with that deal is not right and in august he told me harold you need to take a bank loan so that is when i got a little upset and i said no i don't need a bank loan he said no harold this is united states of america you need to build a credit i didn't know what was a credit that time to be honest so he took me one day in the afternoon from the restaurant I still I don't know which branch it was he took me to a bank but I was in the branch manager's cabin I just signed documents for about 5 minutes and there I got a check of five figures in my name and we walk out from the bank he takes me straight to his house which is a multi million dollar house which is a fact 
takes me to his house, pours a drink in a small shot glass, and then he says, Harold, cheers, you're a rich man. And I just gulp it down. Before Ian, I could like register what happened, like the liquor would go down. He gives me a chit in my hand. And he says, Harold, you owe me this money. Can you believe me? In one second, I lost four things. I lost my voice. I lost my courage. I lost my hope. And I lost my freedom. I said, oh my God, it was not $10,000. It was not $20,000. It was not $40,000. It was much more. How, how in the hell I'm going to get this money from? And that time, it didn't strike me that it was a dead bondage. I was just clueless. I didn't know. But even before I could understand anything, he pats me on my back. Hey, Harold, don't worry. You owe me much more. I just didn't know. I didn't know how to react. I didn't say a word. But it breaks you down. How these people operate. I just want to tell you that they give you an apartment lodging next to the restaurant. So they know that you don't have to pay rent. He pays the rent. So he knows that number one, labor is available 24 hours. I will not run away. Even if there is no sunshine or storm, I'll come to work. I cannot say today I can't come to work. We're going to just walking distance. So Harold, he's stringing you along for a while, making you think that he's looking at houses for you. And then that doesn't go three weeks later, another house. Oh, that didn't work three weeks later. And then after several months, he takes you to a bank and he convinces you he's trying to help you. But in the end, he puts you more in debt to him by saying, you now owe me $65,000, which is why you have to keep working for me to earn that money to pay me back. And then you can't leave. He's holding your visas. He's holding your paperwork right? And you have no identification. You can't just walk away. You don't really know what's going on in the country. You don't know what the laws really are. So how long did this go on? And at one point, were you actually able to escape and what happened? Well, there are so many factors that he has used, like envelopes of US Department of Labor and the Immigration Department envelopes and made a fraud, fraudulent letter stating that we are coming to report Harold and Nancy to Susa because we are working there. This is just the tip of the iceberg. He has abused my child, Bob. I don't know whether you have a child or no. But I just want to tell you one thing. How it breaks a man like me or any father. He slapped my child. A full-fledged slap in front of my own eyes. Mm-hmm. When a child does a crime or I forget a crime, he does any mistake. It's okay to discipline him. I agree. But you don't hit some child when he has not done any mistake. When a child doesn't do any mistake, how can you slap him? And they do like a full-fledged slap, like you're slapping a man. You know what happened? My son cried maybe for two minutes. That is 120 seconds. But a father like me, till even if I live for 120 years, it, is, it is still sticks to my heart. I still, I still repent. I still cry. Because I couldn't do anything. I used to get threatening calls from the bank that we are going to come and get you arrested if you're not paying the bank loan, the loan which you took. After one year, my wife, she could not take it anymore. So I still remember, I think it was a month of March or April of 2004. My wife confronted the perpetrator in the kitchen. So when my wife confronted him, she said, why don't you pay me my back wages? He looks straight into her eyes and tells her, who told you to work? You're not supposed to work. You're illegal. You're undocumented. I can call the immigration department right now. Get you arrested and jailed and deported. These are the words he used. 
and very smilingly happily like you know like nothing happened so she said okay why don't you pay the 1000 dollars that harold gave you when we came so he calls me hey harold come here looks into my eyes straight like this and says harold what money what are you talking but my chef he heard this and then he told that he was in a similar situation in some other state and he said he told me harold you your wife your son bradley your son rohan will all die you need to get out and this is how we got connected to the wage and uh, us department of labor at the federal building in downtown in cincinnati but our life went from bad to worst because he didn't un- understand that our case was of human labor trafficking he thought it was back wages so he just did the cases in normal case like they do the routine case they were not trained because the way the us department of labor they send a notice to the employer and my life was finished because he came to know that i complained his attorney comes to the restaurant one day on friday and he comes and threatens me that today is friday it's a weekend i am going to play golf with my parents and if you don't listen to my employer or my client monday i'll come and get you arrested and put you in prison so that shook me and then i was scared i said i just need my back wages i'm ready to go today i'm ready to quit today so he didn't know he's saying what back wages how much it is 1000 dollars what is 5000 dollars is it more than 10000 dollars but what happened i went to the blue ash police station because i thought monday will come and get me arrested because i was so scared the police officers are so nice so kind so humble so respectful that really touched my heart he listened to us in that conference room they have then he said i told him like well then no i'll not come and get you arrested because our nobody come from our blue ash police station and get you arrested So anyway, he said that you should go and make a complaint. Eventually, we got in touch with the federal department, U.S. Department of Wage and Hour Division at Federal Building. God's blessings, and we called. Mark Stewart Lamb was the investigator, and from next day he was to go on a vacation for three months. So he said that I'm just here for about like 30 minutes, and then I'm gone for three months vacation. And we are saying, no, sir, please beg you. I'm begging you. We are coming. We need your help. and he said okay we waiting for you you can come so my my chef he drove us down to the federal building now we didn't know my wife and myself that we need to have a id to get in the federal building because there is a security right and we didn't have anything but luckily we knew the name of the the gentleman mark stewart lamb so the security guys were nice so they called him and spoke to him both there are some this couple has come to meet you like are they coming to meet you then he said yes so they allowed us in Side. so that's how we could go in but that was the blessing of god that you know we could go inside we, we went up we met him so we, he took us in the his conference room and he sat with us for i think more than one hour and then what happened from there so my case went to the us department of labor because it uh, it was a felony of h1 b visa he did so that goes to the washington dc but it takes time it took 6 months i didn't know that to cut the long story short we won the case but since all this was going on he planned everything he sold the restaurant to some affluent person because the restaurant was doing very well at a very high price then he had bought it and one fine day we all got kicked out the police comes changes the lock and we were thrown out like garbage cans so then after they closed that restaurant and forced you out what did you do after that and how did you survive because we were so nervous we were we were thrown out of the restaurant we were on the streets 
and my kids were going to school. So we told the principal, she was very nice. She, maybe she didn't know anything about uh, human trafficking. But the way she went, we went to her uh, office, she took us in the conference room. My wife started crying, I started crying. She closed the door, she gave us two tissues. She didn't know what to do. But she said one thing, that from today onwards, your, both your sons are, will be on the free meal plan. So my kids were getting free meals, number one. Number two, she might have spoken to a lot of her community members. And she connected with us to some needs, a non-profit organization who used to give, give us grocery every month and pay our rent. We received cash in our house in the in the mail, some $10, $5, and that is how like things went on. By the time your employer could see that the case wasn't going a good his way and he was going to get in trouble, he sold the restaurant and he has not been apparently prosecuted for what he has done. Is that right? My perpetrator is very much in Cincinnati. And every second that I'm living here on this earth, especially in Cincinnati, that is a trauma for him. And that is all God's blessing. So every second I'm living here, you know, today we are living our dream. My kids are doing good. He threatened to kidnap my kids. He tried each and everything. But when God is protecting you, no one on the earth can touch you. So I have God's protection, number one. Number two, I always tell, if I'm honest, no one in the world can put me in the prison. So I'm not scared now. So that changed my life. So that fear factor is gone. And that's why reason I stood up and fought. So I needed to put a stop to this. That is quite a story, Harold. You're obviously doing much better. You're no longer in that situation. So what are you doing right now? Yeah, I always tell that do not tell God how big the storm is in your life, but tell the storm how big the God is in your life. Right. So today I'm very proud to tell you on January 5th, 2016, I was in the White House. So I said, see where God took me. On December 16th, 2015, President Barack Obama announced 11 survivors to the United States Advisory Council on Human Trafficking. And I was the first Indian American who was announced. I got reappointed by President Trump for another two years. And this is what we do. We submit reports. Every year we submit a report, the Advisory Council members on how to bridge the gap between the victim survivors and the law enforcement agencies. And it inspired me to start a non-profit organization, Eyes Open International. So my job is to create education, empowerment, protection, and prevention for people, especially immigrants in a different country, especially like India, Pakistan, Nepal. So you mentioned Eyes Open International. Let's show that website on the screen real quick. Here we go. Eyesopeninternational.org. There's a picture of you and your family, I'm sure, right? Your wife and your two boys. Yes. So if people want to get involved and help, how can they do that on this website? Yeah, you can donate there. That's one thing. And again, I want to share that 90% of the donation, if whatever I get, I spend it on the victims. Basically, I spend most of the money from my pocket as of now because my biggest wealth is my two sons. So they're doing very well. My older son is working for Tesla and my younger son is working for Apple. And my wife works for General Electric Credit Union Bank. And I retired from Cincinnati Children's Hospital on April 30th last year. So it's almost one year today. And thanks to my wife and my two sons because I wanted to do this full time to help victims. 
So people can learn more about that on the website. So let's talk a little bit about now that we know that this kind of thing happened, a lot of people probably think, really, this happens in the United States? This happens in Ohio? So now that we know that it does, what should the regular person be looking for? What does suspicious activity look like that we might think, oh, that looks like that could be trafficking? And if so, then what do we do? I don't think in labor trafficking, if you're a foreign national, every perpetrator will not call you Bob or they'll not call me Harold. He'll say, hey, illegal, come here. Mm-hmm. They'll call you illegal, come here. So every it is a nickname, only one word, illegal, right from San Diego to New York or anywhere you go. So when you call a person illegal, understand the psychology of that victim. He thinks he's a criminal, that he'll go to jail. And they use four words. He used to use that to me a million times. Number one, I'll get you arrested. Number two, I'll get you handcuffed. And when they say handcuffed, they just use the word, they hand like this, put the hands behind. And number three, I'll get you jailed. And number four, I'll get you deported. Believe me, no foreign immigrant, number one is a criminal. No foreign immigrant wants to go to prison. He has come here to do a better life for his family back in his own country. But these are some red flags, which can be identified at the very early stage and would have been out of the situation. We saw snow the first time in the month of December of 2003. We get a note from the school teacher that both my sons cannot come to school if they do not wear snow jackets. I didn't know what the hell was a snow jacket. My son had a sweater from Indus, but they were all see-through. But my chef, he was very nice. He bought two snow jackets from my son. I still remember from Kmart. And my son goes to school. And again, we get a note from the school teacher. Both my sons cannot come to school if they do not wear snow gloves. Now, both my sons had gloves, but again from India, the woolen ones. So why I'm trying to say is that how community members can identify, oh, that means there is something wrong with this family. When I say something wrong, means they may be a victim of some crime. It's not that they are just coming intentionally or the school teacher. And other thing I want to tell you, whenever labor trafficking happens in the United States of America, it happens at, at least I know, at gas stations, convenience stores, restaurants, and motels. So number one, I always tell Always look, listen, learn, love. So it, it will not happen in the first meeting. He, he or she will not talk because they are scared. So when, whenever you see something, you know, say something. Stop everything and dial human trafficking hotline number. That's one 373 So you don't have to get involved. Just call that number and give them the details of whatever the situation is and they will take care of it and they will investigate. Even if it's a doubt, no problem. Anything else that you think is important to share to our viewers and listeners here, Harold? I always tell, you know, a victim's life on human labor trafficking is like a frog in a well. This is a book I have written and just got it published last year. The life of a victim of human labor trafficking is like a frog in a well. Because in my village where I live, we have a well. So we draw water from the well. So I have seen that there is a frog in the well. And in, in, when there is a frog in the well, the frog thinks there is a world. Because there is water, there is everything. Same way in the life of a victim of human labor trafficking, he or she is controlled by the perpetrator or by the trafficker. They are given shelter, they are given food, just the basic need. So they think, oh, this is the world. But they don't know there is a better world outside. There is freedom, there is choice, there is happiness. You have talents. You can do whatever you want. You are not controlled. All right, Harold. Well, thanks for talking with us. Thanks for sharing your story with us today and helping us to be more aware of the reality 
of human trafficking here, even in the United States, even in the city of Cincinnati and in Ohio, and how to recognize it and what we can do if we see it. Well, thanks for spending time with us today. Thank you very much for listening to a survivor. I really appreciate that. Survivors have the opportunity and ability to live their dreams and to be happy. So thank you for giving me an opportunity, Bob. God bless you. And I want to thank all of our viewers and listeners for tuning in on this episode of our Being Pro-Life series. Head to the website and view all the links talked about in this episode at www.catholiccincinnati.org slash being-pro-life. Thank you again for joining us today, and I look forward to being with you next time.